Uh, tonight, I'm going to be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 12 in the New King James Version. There's a lot of good causes that we can get involved with in this world today. That's good things that we can help out with. I know there's been different times in our lives where we've given to different causes, uh, whether it, it, no matter what it was, you know, they'd come knocking on the door and they had a cause and we'd give to it. Uh, we, right here at the church, we've supported missionaries, we've supported recovery centers, we support uh, benevolence funds, and, and all these things are good. I want us to understand they're all good. People fight for a lot of different causes. We give to them, but then people fight for a lot of different causes. People fight for the rights of those that can't fight for themselves. People fight for their marriages. People fight for their families. People fight for their rights. And tonight, I want us to look at what 1 Timothy 6 and 12 tells us. There's plenty of things to fight for. But in our text right here, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on an eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Just one verse tonight, but I want to focus in on fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're here today. I feel your presence. I felt your presence all day. God, you are an awesome God. You're an awesome God, and I thank you for that. I ask you tonight, Lord, that you anoint our eyes and our ears to see and to hear what you'd have to say. Let the seed of the word find root in our hearts, Father, that it apply to our lives every day. I'm asking you to anoint me with the power of the Holy Ghost, God. We've got to have the Holy Ghost. We've got to have the Holy Ghost in our life, Father. Anoint us, Lord, as we speak. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. In this text tonight, Paul's writing to Timothy, and, and he's coming to the end of his life. He's telling this young minister to fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. If, if Paul instructed Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, fight of faith back then, how much more should we, be, should we be fighting today in today's society? We, we, we know the things we see on the news. We know what's going on everywhere. But, you know, just to fight the good fight of faith, we need to be fighting. We need to be fighting. Tonight what I want to do is stir up the troops. Stir up the troops. I want the Holy Spirit to come in and take over here tonight. I want to equip the saints tonight to be victorious and be overcomers. As we hear the word of God, fight the good fight of faith. Amen. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You have other people. There are other cre uh, created beings just like you are. We're human beings. You have other people in your lives, whether it's husbands, wives, bosses. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter who it is, other people in the community. And they cause problems for you. And it gets discouraging. But I want to encourage you tonight to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Fight the good fight of faith. First, first thing that I see that Paul's instructing us by saying the word fight. When I was a kid, I loved to fight. I loved anti antagonize people. And I'll just be honest, I still love antagonizing people. Shelly's over here amening me. I enjoy poking and, and teasing and aggravating. But when I was a kid, I liked to punch too. I liked to fight. I didn't have to have a reason. I remember in Illinois, we were at a, a kid's camp one time, and the guest speaker was there. And for no reason, me and my cousin decided we were just going to beat up the camp speaker's son. 
That's what all good preacher's kids do. That's right. And so we would fight. He wasn't the only one. We had neighbors that we would fight with. I had a brother to fight with. I had sisters to fight with. And I liked fighting. And, you know, at one point, Mom and Dad got me some boxing gloves. Big mistake. So every church we went to, if they had a pastor's son, it was time to box. And we would get in there and box. And I got to love and to hitting people. Loved it. Absolutely loved seeing their nose bleed and seeing their mouth bleed. Loved it. I'm just telling you how it was when I was a kid. Now I would cry. I watch football sometimes, see these guys get hit, and I'm like, man, I don't want to be hit like that. I remember what it felt like to get punched with gloves on. I don't want to be getting hit anymore. But we've got to fight. We've got to have that spirit, Lord, that we're going to fight. There was always butterflies in my stomach when I started to fight. I was wondering what, what's going to happen. After I got punched the first time in the face, my eyes would start to, to tear up and everything. Not because I was crying or whatever. It's just a natural thing that happens. When you get punched in the nose, your eyes start watering. After that first time, it was on. It was fun. I was ready to go. I was pretty good at it. That's why it was fun. If I kept getting beat down, I wouldn't, wouldn't have been fun. I'd stop. I said, no, I'm, I'm going to do something else. But it was fun. We've got to understand, it doesn't have to be fun to us, but we, there's a need for us to fight. We have to fight the good fight of faith. I hope that you realize that you have a real enemy. I don't want to puff up the devil. I'm not going to give him any credit he doesn't deserve. Matter of fact, I think he gets too much credit. We do things wrong, then we want to blame the devil for it. He may have influenced it at some point, but guess what? You have a choice. We have a choice every night, and we have a real enemy. And, and sometimes I feel like the Christians just think we don't have an enemy. We come to church. We go here Sunday. We come here Wednesday. We go throughout our days. And some days, I don't know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, if we're really even looking that we have an enemy, that he's there. Sometimes I don't think we realize that we're in a war, that we have a real enemy. And we're in a battle every day for our souls. As long as we're breathing God's air, we're going to be in a battle. You're in a fight. I never want us to look around and think that our enemy is bigger than our God. I hear people all the time talking about the fight and the battle that they're in. And the way you'd hear it, you would think that God, God can't help them in anything. They're always beat down. The devil's always winning. He, you never get off the mat. My God is bigger than my enemy. My God's bigger than my giants. Amen. I don't ever want to elevate my enemy above that. But I want us to understand we are at war. Because if you don't realize you're at war, then you're being tricked and you're being manipulated constantly to pull you away from your salvation. We have to recognize we're in a battle. We're in a battle. Listen to this, 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, your giant, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's walking around. Now, he's not a lion. It says it's like a lion. You know why it's like a lion? So I heard somebody say that he's like a little lion because he can't be the lion of Judah. <laughs> That's the reason why he's roaring, going around trying to roar. He's trying to sound big, trying to make himself big. He's trying to cause problems. He's trying, and if, if you'll let him, he will, he will devour you without a doubt. He will kill. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He will do that, but we have to understand our God is greater. My God is greater than, enemy, than any enemy that's trying to devour us. My God is greater than that. We have to understand as saints, we have a job to do. Be sober. Be vigilant. That's meaning to wake up and watch. We have to be careful. We have to watch. I believe it's in Genesis where, where God was talking to Cain and saying, the devil's at your doorstep. 
You know, in my mind, I'm thinking about a house and has a couple of bushes on each side of the door, and the devil's crouched down hiding behind this bush. I heard that all my life. All you Pentecostals think the devils are hiding behind every bush, every tree, waiting to get you. He is. Let me just tell you, he is. Anything he can get his finger into, he's going to get it into. He's coming to attack. He's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. That's why we have to fight the good fight of faith. Our God is greater, though, than any enemy. We're going to be sober. We're going to be vigilant. We're going to be watchful. We're going to stay awake. Make no mistake about it. We're in a fight. Get to talking about fighting. I just, I'm ready to go out swinging. I'll just tell you. Zechariah 3 and 1 says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at the right hand to oppose him. What? Satan is there with God? He's in line there to talk. He's, he's trying to oppose things. The devil has been accusing He's been accusing, he's been attacking, he's been trying to destroy God's people uh, uh, all for, for throughout time. That's been his job. That's what he's doing. We're in a war and a battle for our souls. People say, I don't want to talk about fighting. I don't want to talk about battles. I don't want to talk about being in warfare. I'm not interested in, my, in, in anybody's battles or let alone my battles. I don't want to talk about, you know, if I just it, it stick my head in the sand, it, it'll go away. Not going to happen. Ostrich sticks his head in the stand. Somebody's just going to come by and kick him. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. Whether we want to hear about it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, we're in a fight. We're in a fight for our life with our enemy tonight. We are in a war. There's a battle raging between God's culture and the culture of this world. If you don't, if you don't think I'm right... You can record any 15-minute clip you want to record on the news and start comparing it to the Word of God, and you'll realize they're dead against the Word of God. There's a battle going on. There's a cultural battle going on, a God culture and the culture of this world. I've probably said it here before, but I'm going to say it again. We can't be neutral in war. You cannot be neutral in war. We have to be on one side or the other. You can't sit on the fence and fight. Woo. If we try to sit on the fence... We're not fighting. We're not fighting. We'll be destroyed sitting on the fence like that. Trying to sit on the fence is giving up and already losing out on a relationship with God. I've, I've heard it said all, over and over and over, if it ain't worth fighting for, it ain't worth having. We have something that's worth fighting for. We have something that's worth fighting for, amen? We can't play, play both sides of the fence and you think, well, Pastor, what are you talking about there? We can't live for God on Sundays and Wednesdays and not live for him on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's what I'm talking about tonight. We're either contending for the faith or we're giving up the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. It's plain and simple. Salvation is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I have great parents. I have a great wife. I have some great kids. But salvation is the best thing that ever happened to me. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? you got a beautiful wife. You have beautiful kids or talented. I, I don't care about all that. I want to focus on my God because when I focus on him, he gives me this. This is what I get because I'm serving him, because I'm focused on him, because I put him first. I have order in my life. Then he gives me the desires of my heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time for the army of God to rise. Put on the whole armor of God. Get in the trenches. Get in the battle and fight the fight to win. There's a war in our culture right now. I was watching a sermon this week, and I, I really liked it. I wanted just to 
listen to it all and print it all down. Just come in and preach it because it's so good. I just want I could just speak that one word to word and give them all the credit and walk off stage and be happy. It was awesome. But there's a war in our culture right now over sexuality. If you're watching on Facebook, don't turn now. Don't get red-faced and get embarrassed. Sex has not been talked enough about in church. We wouldn't be in the condition we are right here in America if we'd been talking about sex for all these years. It's been something taboo. Nobody wants to talk about it. The world says sex outside of marriage is okay. It's good. It's all right. Whatever feels good, do it. Before marriage, extramarital. It doesn't matter. Do what you want to do. Make yourself feel good. That's, what, that's the world's model. That's what they want to tell you. The world's trying to mold the church's message into its image. And sadly, it's creeped in a lot of churches. But the war is on. God's Word says in Ephesians 5 and 3, and I put this down in God's Word translation because it's so blunt. Don't let sexual sin, perversion of any kind, or greed even be mentioned among you. Man, this is not appropriate behavior for God's holy people. I don't ever want it to be said that Drew is doing something that's not right. I had somebody one time lie on me, and they said, Drew Foster called me and cussed me out. And they were telling my friend that. My friend said, he may have called you and got on to you, but I promise you he didn't cuss you out. And they said, well, no, he didn't cuss me. You got to live your life right. My testimony, I already know this, this guy already knew. That wasn't, no, Drew didn't cuss you out. We can't fight this war and win and be involved with immoral activities. I feel this strong tonight. And I, like I said, I, I know who's in this auditorium, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling on Facebook right now. This is for somebody watching. In 2018, statistics say that 40% of births in America are born outside of marriage. Google says that there's nearly 1 million abortions per year on average, and that's just uh, the ones that are reported. Now they're telling us that almost 50% of marriages in America end in divorce. The world says seek after pleasure. Seek to satisfy yourself. That's the frontal attack. I mean, it's bold. It's not, they're, trying not, they're not trying to sneak in the back door. This is right in your face. We're, they're coming right at us. It's time to fight. Somebody's getting right in your face. That's what the world's doing right now. Somebody gets up in my face. What do I want to do? I want to fight. I want to fight. And that's what the devil's doing right now. He's putting this right in our face. It's a frontal attack, and it's directly against God's word. We are at war. We are at war. The world says seek after pleasure. Seek to satisfy yourself. That's a frontal attack on the teaching of God's holy word. We are at war with that. The Bible teaches that we're not to seek pleasure, but to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. That's what we're supposed to be seeking first. That's what we're supposed to be seeking first. What is that? We're supposed to be seeking God first. His will in our life. His way in our life. Submit to Him. Surrender to Him and what He has for us in our lives. When we seek His kingdom, we find not only pleasure, but guess what? We find peace. <laughs> we find peace. You can't put a dollar price on peace nowadays. All this pandemic stuff, you cannot put a dollar price on peace. People are so scared to walk out their own front doors because they're afraid to catch something that it's not going away. You better just get used to it, build some immunity up to it, whatever you want to say. I don't care. I know it's a real disease, but you might as well not fear it. It's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. 
The world says to be committed to music, to a politician, to our, or to our children, to our family, to a child's sports team, or any other cause. They're trying to pull you in different directions, trying to get you to team up with, instead of seeking first the kingdom of God. God says our allegiance is to be God, to God alone, to Him alone, and no other. Now, are these some bad things? No. Don't get me wrong. Sports is not a bad thing. Uh, cheer camp or whatever is not a bad thing. All these things may not be bad, but when you start placing things out of order and putting them in front of God, they're your God. They're your sin. They're your idol. Lord, help us. Be committed to the cause of Christ. Be committed to his lifestyle. Be committed to following Jesus wherever he leads us. We can avoid so much trouble by just being committed to, to the following after Jesus, and he will lead us to victory in everything we do. If I'm following Jesus, you know what? I'm going to come to, you know, he may lead me through the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness right after he's baptized. You think, what a joyous moment. He's baptized, and you know, and the Holy Spirit, and the voice out of heaven says, this is my son I'm well pleased in. And what's the Holy Spirit doing? Come on, let's go to the wilderness. Let me tell you, even the wilderness is good if the Holy Spirit's with you. If the Holy Spirit's leading you there, go with him. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. The truth of the matter is, we can follow after God. We can chase after God. We can let him lead us. But so many don't want to. Pastor, well, now you're getting serious. Well, we get to where we want to do something instead of what God wants when God starts asking us to do some hard things, then we're like, I, God, I'm not real comfortable with that. You know, that's going to cause more commitment for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of stretched as thin as I want to be. And I just don't know, God. Can I tell you, when we obey God, he is with us. Haggai 1 and 12, just the middle part of that version, it says, with all the remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. I love this part. And then the next verse, verse 13 says, because the Lord said, I am with you. They're listening to the voice of the God. They're obeying the, word, uh, the voice of God. And he says, I am with you. That's the way I want to be. Whatever God's telling me, even if he's telling me to walk in the wilderness a while, you know what? I know I'm going to come out on the other side. Somebody said, if you're walking through something, don't worry about it. Because if you're walking through something, you're already at least halfway in it. You're coming out the other side. Lord, help us to walk wherever God asks us to walk. Follow after him in our fight. Second thing I want to look at, that means that we cannot fight with natural weapons. I've been talking about weapons of our warfare this whole year, talking about the Word of God, talking about our prayer. And, and, and then we're, there, we have to use them weapons. But we have to employ all the spiritual weapons for spiritual battles. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Our weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not guns and tanks and airplanes and ships. They're not that. We have to have the Holy Spirit. It's not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit saith the Lord. We remember that scripture? Another weapon we have in our arsenal is the Holy Spirit. We must fight the good fight with the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
every situation that comes along in our life, we need to give it to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, lead and guide me. The Holy Spirit is what's leading and guiding us here on earth today. Have your way through us, God. Whatever you're leading me through, there's a purpose in it. We used to sing a song all the time. Lead me, Lord. Lead me through this situation. Lead me, Lord. She, she knows every song and she's not helping me now. Couldn't hear you. I couldn't hear you. We must fight the good fight with the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The anointing is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In our warfare with Satan and the world, we must rely upon the power and the anointing. How many knows you can walk every day? You don't have to be here in church. You can walk every day, walk out these doors, and walk in the anointing to your car. You can. You need to. I encourage it. We need to be walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit Every day, somebody said something about, you know, the Holy Spirit. I don't know uh, about the Holy Spirit, and, you know, I, they're talking this and that, and then I heard somebody say, well, I don't even want to go to Walmart with the Holy Spirit. I'll just tell you, I got in my car today, and I needed the Holy Spirit real fast. I barely got on the road, and it was, it was on already. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. The devil knows right where to attack. He wants to come by. I had to fight. I had to start fighting today. I had to fight through what was going on, through the traffic, through the craziness. I'm just like... I can't believe this. Finally got to my destination. I was like, oh, thank you. I know what Noah felt when he finally got on the mountain. He was like, I, I want to get out of this boat. I want to get out of this car. I want to get me on some ground here. From the anointing, we can have superior knowledge over our enemy. How many knows the devil only knows what you tell him? Be careful with what you're speaking. Be careful what you're speaking. First John 2 and 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. How do we know all things? Through the Spirit. The Spirit will lead us through all things. We can know what weapons to use on the enemy through the Holy Spirit. We can know which step to take. We can know exactly who to talk to. Sometimes we, we, we hear testimonies of somebody walked into a bank or whatever and said, I really didn't know who I needed to talk to. And next thing I was talking to the right person. I was talking to the very one I needed to. That's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you. We need to understand that. And sometimes we think we just picked that person out. No, he was giving you some knowledge. He was leading your spirit. You went to that person. Most importantly, I know the devil, our enemy, he's defeated through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing, the presence of God, it's going to destroy the work of bondage in our life. The devil's trying to tie up God's warriors. He's trying to put us in bondage, whatever it may be. You may have been delivered from something in years past. He wants to drag you right back down into the same pit you was in before. But God's Spirit, the holy anointing. Hallelujah. We used to sing that holy anointing. Boy, I'm just coming up with a lot of songs tonight we could have been singing. Isaiah 10 and 27 said, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be, shall be destroyed because of the anointing. If the anointing will break the yoke of bondage, then stay in the presence of God. Stay under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty simple message. Like, wow, Pastor, you just laid some great knowledge. Absolutely, I did. Stay under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It breaks these things off of you. When fear comes on you, it can't get on you anymore because there's anointing there that won't allow it. If something happens to get on you, the anointing breaks that yoke off of you. 
Praise the Lord. This is one of the most important things I want to tell you tonight. Shelly, if you'll come, I'm just about done. Can I tell you this? Stay in the flow of the Holy Spirit. Stay in the flow of the Holy Spirit. This should happen daily. When your eyes wake up in the morning, I know crazy things go on in the morning. Kids yelling sometimes. Uh, mama's yelling for a cup of coffee. It doesn't matter what it is. Some, you know, it gets crazy in the morning. You may be late. Uh, the first thing we ought to do is say, Holy Spirit, I give you control of my life today. God, I give you control right now. Before I take a step out of this bed, clear the way. I don't want to step on any jacks and stub my toe. I don't want to do any of them things, Holy Spirit. Direct me today. I'm going to tell you, if we'd start doing stuff like that, we'd walk in an anointing that we wouldn't. It, we'd be telling stories to people like, I can't believe you can do that. Absolutely you can. Absolutely you can. There's an atmosphere. I'm going to tell you this. There's an atmosphere in this church that you don't feel at a lot of other places. You know what it is? It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You may find a fancier church. You may find one with a better coffee bar than we have. You may find one with a better youth program or children's program. You won't find one with any more anointing of the Holy Spirit than what you found right here. The Holy Spirit dwells in this place. Why? It's because the saints of God, we allow Him to do what He wants to do in this place. We built this temple for Him to come and dwell inside of it. There's an atmosphere in this church you don't feel it at some of the other places. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I've heard people walk in here and say, when I drove onto the lot, I could feel the Holy Ghost. More than once. It hasn't just been isolated. More than once, people. I had it happen just a week ago. Somebody told me the same thing. I pulled on the parking lot. I could feel the Holy Spirit. I was like, amen. That's the way it's supposed to be. When you walk into this room, everything changes. There's been so many times I've been working in my office, and I come in here just to come, come get some big glasses. It could be anything. And when I walk through them doors, all of a sudden I just walk into the holy presence of God. I can feel the anointing from the Holy Spirit in this place. You say, Pastor, what are you you're talking about a building? I'm talking about a, a Holy Spirit that resides in this building. He resides in our heart, yes, but He resides in places too. There's angels that's here. You know, we don't even understand. We're thinking, that can't be. That's, that's a, the spiritual world. Guess what? You're a spiritual person. You better understand there's a spiritual world here. There's angels here tonight with us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Spirit of God breaks the yoke of bondage. Breaks the yoke of bondage. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's liberty. When you come here, and you can leave here with the same spirit you felt when you walked in. I want to encourage everyone. Let the Spirit of the Holy Ghost move on your life. Let that be the atmosphere you live in. Take it home with you. Let your home be filled with that atmosphere. Let people walk into your house and say, something's different. I don't know how many times we used to go sing at different churches, different denominations that weren't Pentecost. We'd walk in, we'd sing, and I heard it night after night after night. People say, there's something different about you. There's something different about your group. It wasn't our singing. It wasn't our talent. It was the Holy Spirit that was moving through us. The Holy Spirit will break the, the, the yoke and the bondage that's in people's lives. Let me ask a question. Do you get more out of church when you sit back and watch or when you get involved? I know the answer. When you're involved in the flow, 
that flow that you're in is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. What would happen if everyone came to church ready to get into the flow of the Holy Spirit? What would happen if everyone come to church already in the flow of the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. They're in a flow of the Holy Spirit. Their house is so great. They walk in here, the atmosphere. We position ourselves for an incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit when we come prayed up and studied up. We're ready for God to do something. We come expecting God to do something even greater when we gather with the saints. That's what I want to feel. That's what I want to see in this church. In the book of Acts, 120 got into the flow, and it hasn't stopped since. Hallelujah. Someone asked, how do you get all the air out of a glass? After a bunch of different people saying different ways to get it out, somebody said, just add water. It'll push all the air out of that glass. The way to get rid of something in our lives that's not pleasing to God is to fill our lives with the Holy Spirit. I've told you before, I get down and pray and say, God, less of me, more of you. Less of Drew, more of you. Got me a rhyme going, I can pray to God. Let's fill ourselves with this great weapon of the Holy Ghost and get rid of the things that hinder us from fighting. I looked up Adam Clark's commentary and it says, Fight the good fight of faith. It said, Agonize the good agony. Thou hast a contest to sustain in which thy honor, thy life, thy soul are at stake. Live the gospel is one of the last things he said. And I was like, this dude has got it going on. He understands. John Gill's commentary said, fight the good fight of faith. The apostle suggests to Timothy that he had other business to do than to mind the things of this world. His life was at stake. It was at stake in warfare. He was a soldier and was not to entangle himself with the things of this life. He had many enemies to engage with as Satan and his principalities and powers, sin and the lust of the flesh to the world and the men of it. And a great fight of afflictions to endure with them. Now finally, you're saying, yes, amen, he's done. Ephesians 16, 10 says, says this well. We wonder, well, how can we fight the good fight of faith? Here it is. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We need the whole armor of God on so we can stand, so we can fight this good fight of faith. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having all, and having done all, to stand. Next verse says, stand therefore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it goes on and it tells us about our, 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 our weapons and it tells about our armor that we're to wear. We need to understand we have to have this. We have to put on the whole armor of God to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you tonight for being here. I want us to gather around and pray. For just a few minutes. I know the snow's not not supposed to hit for another hour or so. And so if you want to pray another hour, you're good to go. And you'll still get out of it, maybe. But I want us to pray. Come down here and pray. Father, show me how I can fight the good fight. Pastor, show me a lot of ways. Show me how I can apply this to my life. Father, I thank you right now. 
God, that your word is went forth. I thank you, Lord, that it's penetrating our hearts right now. Show us, Father, we need the whole armor of God to fight the good fight of faith. Lord, because we're fighting uh, not carnally, Lord, we're fighting spiritual battles, and we have to have spiritual weapons. Let the Holy Spirit rest upon each one of us. Let us be in, let us be in field with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that, that more of us will come out, Lord, so that the Holy Spirit can go down deep inside of us and fill us up until we're full of your Spirit. I thank you for these people. I ask you, Lord, to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen, as they pray.